Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. It is July 19th, 2021. This is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a home before dark podcast. Good. Just the double. Just the double. No Kevin yet. No Kevin yet. Thank you guys for tuning in on this lovely, disgusting, disgusting, thunderstormy, rainy Atlanta evening. I am Tim Herb. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Dan James, to the right of me. Good evening, Timothy. Good evening. Good evening. Is that Stark Tower that I see in your uh, in your camera? Is that Stark it Tower? Is. You're right. Yeah. And Thanos is. is taking over Stark Tower with a uh, with the Infinity Gauntlet. I see Darth Vader, uh, or maybe it's um, Kylo Ren is trying to stop. Well, I've got Thanos. I've got Darth Darth Vader and Kylo Ren. Um, that Darth Vader's having to use dual blasters instead of his uh, lightsaber. Oh, so. interesting. Yeah, I've I've always wondered like why? What's with the hilt on Kylo Ren's? I don't know because lightsaber. I mean, it's like a little hand guard because you know if you're cutting down then you know might slip and then it helps catch the other lightsaber but isn't isn't the point of a hilt on a sword so that you don't lose grip and don't hit the blade but instead with this it's more blade like wouldn't your hand just hit it and just your, your thumbs like your hand would be gone right i think it's for um to protect your hand but it's it's also protecting from because you know when if people are slashing down on you, you want to you want to be able to like have their blade hit yours, but then not slice your fingers off, so it okay. will stop their blade. Apparently, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. I'm sounding like some guy who plays like a lot of. Uh, is it leering? It's not lepering. Larping. Not Larping. Lepering. Sorry. Yeah, we're not. We're not here to. We're we're not going to shit on larpers and call them lepers. No, we're, <laughs> no, not, we're not calling not. them lepers. We're not calling them lepers. Thank you. Guys. We got a we got a loaded trap tonight. We had Elliot Beaven, Dean Worley, Richard Gordon, Kendrick Brock. Who else do we got in here? We got Carl Seggy. We got Chiefs coach Steve asking if Kevin is okay. Yeah, he's fine. He'll be. He's got a work thing. He's don't gonna, worry about him. Don't yeah, worry. Don't, about don't him. worry about him. He's fine. 
Uh, we got Max Plays Games, 492, Brittany S, Octavio Mangura, Bradley D, a.k.a. AKA Kevin Bradley D. Maybe that's why he's not joining. He's in the trap tonight. We got mm-hmm. Dirty Bird Person, Scott McMillan, new to the trap. I appreciate hey, you joining us. Yeah. Um, Haletto. We got Haletto in here, too, saying uh, LARPers are allowed to drink water. Yes, that's very true. I feel like Kroger should go up and drop off some blackberry citrus spicy water to the Marietta training grounds. I know it'll hurt the, it'll probably hurt the the players' throats a little bit to be drinking uh, a seltzer while they're working out, but it's better than nothing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a little acidic as well, so I don't think it totally quenches quenches the thirst. But I don't know, man. Michelle Paravani joining us. Mateo saying he's just here for the hindsight jokes. Chris Smith, Iron Tooth in Mexico. In Mexico, are you? Or what are you doing down in Mexico? You were just over in uh, in Europe. I, I think he's over there teaching, maybe on the continent. I believe we got for the culture. We got Greg joining us. Nathan Explosion. It's loaded tonight. We appreciate you guys tuning in. It is a, a fun evening. It is Kevin is is messing it. Percy Herrera joining us. Um, yeah, it's man. It's uh, oh, Chris is Chris is trying to border cross. I see that. I, not to blow up your spot. <laughs> he says he's trying to get into the U.S. So I'm not trying to blow up your spot, but anyway, or he's going to get uh, he's going to get Tata out of Mexico. He's trying to break him loose. Um, it's probably yeah. a blast. I'd love to go to Mexico. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's some stuff we need to talk about. Well, I mean, was Chol offside? Uh, I yeah, mean, a little I, bit. He was right. Like, well, so I listened to the radio call initially, and they were going off like he wasn't on. He was onside because the defender made a play. But then I watched it back today, and I was like, oh no, he he was totally offside. Yeah, that was not a <laughs> deliberate play back. Like that wasn't like there was a deliberate play back. I don't know if you caught that, and I can't remember which defender it was. No, there was played- a play back, but the the initial strike, he was offside of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but it it was. There was another point in the game, though, where I think Andrew Farrell passed the ball back to their their keeper, and he picked it up. Somebody, somebody, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember shouting like, "What? How is that not a free kick in the box?" Because he picked up the ball, like it was a deliberate I mean, pass back. I wouldn't be surprised if that actually happened, and we got nothing from it because that's been the way it's been in the past couple of matches. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's definitely been a little, little frustrating to watch. Um, Elliot Beaven saying hashtag Dan in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Dan uh, in what? In the hole? What? <laughs> no, Dan in real life. The movie. He's, oh, talking, about the movie. Yeah, he's talking about the movie That's with right. Steve Carell. Um, cool. Yeah. Carl's right. I mean, it's an indirect free kick, right? It should have been an indirect free kick in the box. Whatever. I digress. We lost one, nothing to the best team in the East. I know they haven't been playing their best soccer, but they're still, what, the second best uh, attacking side in all of MLS, and we only gave up a single goal. To an yeah. absolutely beastly uh, Gustavo Bo, who I th- I feel like has aged probably five years in the past year since he got to MLS. He looks a lot older than whenever he first came in at the beginning of last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's... I, I thought we played a pretty good game. I wasn't so... Um, I was kind of upbeat about it, even though we lost. <laughs> yes, but we only lost by one. So, yeah, we <laughs> lost a draw. <laughs> right, we lost without Santi Sosa. We lost without Joseph Martinez. We lost exactly. without a, without Joseph Conway starting the entire game. We 
or Joseph Conway, Jackson, Jackson Conway. Conway. I want to see Joseph Conway. I want to see a, a fusion of the two. The, um, yeah, I, I, you're right. I mean, I don't think it was the worst game that we could have played. I thought we played pretty well against a very organized side. And competent, and, yeah. Competent. I think competent is uh, kind of understating it too. Whenever you look at, they were showing key passes, key pass leaders in MLS, and Carlos Heel is the second, the second person. And I want to hear, like, I want to hear somebody say that Julian Gressel is still an upgrade over Brooks Lennon when Brooks Lennon's playing right back and still has the second most key passes in MLS, but still half that of Carlos Heel. Like, it's just another level with that guy, the way that he's operating uh in in the attack for um for new england they're a good team it's crazy what they've done in two years whenever they got rid of the uh you know the bald version of gabriel heinz i guess and brad friedel i mean they maybe maybe we get our bruce arena as much as i don't want to say i hate bruce arena but maybe with heinz having very very many parallels it seems like to brad friedel and the way that he managed this team have him out in 13 games, whatever it was. And I think Brad Friedel was somewhere around the same lines. Right. Bring in somebody like Bruce Arena. I don't know. Just solidify the team. Get somebody who I, I feel like, and we can get into this later and it might be a better discussion. I'm sure we'll rehash a lot of this whenever Kevin gets in. But yeah, there, there are guys out there, I feel like, to, to be had. Yeah. Well, I think just going back to it, Carlos Heel, he's, got, he's the, got the most assists in MLS with seven. And uh, they've got a couple of guys who have scored three goals each, like not just one, each. So Brenner and Barriel have each got three goals. It's pretty impressive. It's weird to have so many people with, uh, you know, more than one goal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I see a name I haven't seen in forever, Matt Wisniewski in the in the trap. Um, yeah. And uh, Gully Cuban, a.k.a. I believe that is Gabe Lajas that is joining us on Twitch, watching us on Twitch. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot to keep up with in a trap without a third person to sit and uh, kind of troll it. But um, yeah, man, it's... Um, wow, Brian Daniels, that's someone we haven't seen for a while. Yeah, he usually comments the day after. He's joining us live because why not? Why not talk about the elephant in the room? I, I can't remember who it was. Uh, Emilio Corsi, I think was his name on Twitter. Because I'd I'd sent out it was very appreciative of of Jason and Mike Conti doing that kind of post mortem yesterday after the press conference, mostly because I needed you know some something to listen to while I did yard work uh, last night and after Heinz's press conference yeah after Heinz's press conference they did a like an hour um, off the woodwork it was pretty great and then I had posted that appreciation. Amelia Corsi said they they had to relieve the pressure before our podcast tonight. So it's right. <laughs> it was like a I I know I thought we're just going to have completely measured and calm calm takes um, coming from us and and the trap. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, man, I I just I don't know where to start. If we just talk about we'll we'll get to the Heinz stuff in a minute, and maybe we'll just kind of bait people. Uh, but what did you see from the New England game that you saw as a positive? Um, I know you said that you you were you're pretty happy, all things considered, with the performance that we put on. Yeah, I thought I thought Moreno was was pretty good. You know, he managed to get some. He got a real decent shot on on goal, which uh, unfortunately Knighton parried away, and we made. Um, and, and one of one bad thing is we made the backup goalkeeper. 
their one of their best players, which was really frustrating, but it's kind of something Atlanta United does. Uh, I I actually thought Alan Franco wasn't too bad either. I, he had a good couple of break and run starts, but one of the frustrating things was seeing the diagonal balls. And um, so they would do a switch. So like Lennon would pass it over or um, um, because it was Ambrose starting, whoever was on the left would pass it over. And it seemed like always their back, the um, New England back would just intercept the pass like six no, feet was, before it, was, it got to it was, where it was more rainy, right? Because it was more rainy. We, yeah. we had a three. We had three in the back between Campbell, Alan Franco, Anton Walks. You had Bello, or not Bello? Sorry, Brooks Lennon. I feel yeah. like they're I feel like they're anagrams of each other. I get the right. I, I get tongue tied with them sometimes. But then you had Mulraney. And then in the middle, what did you have? You had um, it's Moreno and Asadich. who played really well. Uh, yeah, Amar Sadich is great. Like I, I just I, keep going, Dan. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. Um, but then we would, you know, you would have these typical like clever little through balls that just would never find their target or would just get intercepted. So uh, it was pretty frustrating. I thought Kubo had one or two good efforts, but he just doesn't have the legs to get to the ball. Um, so again, it was kind of a waste. And then eventually they brought on Jackson Conway, but it wasn't. Well, it didn't really come to much, really. Um, yeah, Alec Can was all right. Would have kept a, kept a clean sheet without Anton Walks having that deflection um, from uh, Gustavo Bo's shot, which went in and put us 1-0 down. And I thought the then returning and getting at Charles' goal calling off, called offside was pretty disappointing and kind of – and then it was just kind of just more of the same, you know, tons of possession going back and – getting it forward and then passing it back and then just not getting those attacking, uh, really the attacking chances to get shots on goal. But we we did get um, more than a few shots on goal. Let me just go check out the stats. Yeah, we got more. We have 15 shots on goal to 13. So I think we both had five on target, but then we had like five. They blocked us like five more times or five to three, which – Block shots are getting really frustrating because it seems like every time we try and take a hit, we're getting a block shot every time it tries to go through traffic. I think Moreno's shot from just outside the 18 has been the first one that's been on goal for a long time that didn't get blocked. Carlos Rangel, another, I think a new name in the trap, is saying it feels like a lot of goals have gone off of deflections this year. And I think Mm -hmm. that I would like to see a stat. Like I would like to see somebody break that down. Um, get like all the goals that we've given up off deflections this year. It's, um, you know what, you know, what's kind of a positive though, Dan, when you think about, I mean, having that, that many chances against the new England team, again, tops in the East is, I think it's pretty positive, but then also it's, it's nice moving forward. Again, we'll talk about the Heinz situation, but having that, I think what people are referring to in the trap is that new coach bump. Um, the Hawks bounce is what Dean was calling it whenever they fired Lloyd Pierce, got Nate McMillan in. Um, is we're going into Cincinnati um, to play the second worst defense in all of MLS. Mm-hmm. And if we're going and we're creating chances with a really ragtag group against New England, and then you get that coach bounce. The players are probably a lot happier. You're probably going to get Joseph Martinez back into the lineup on Wednesday. You know, we're still without the three guys that are out for the Gold Cup right now. Nothing you could do about that. And we have some guys potentially returning from injury. 
that would be the absolute best case scenario, I think, for this team in terms of opponents to play in this in the current circumstances. I think it's I mean, you saw I think it was what five to four. They were up something like two nothing against Cincinnati and yep. or against, against uh, Montreal. Montreal. And next thing I look, it's five four final. Montreal had won that game. You gotta feel pretty good about a, a young team who's getting shots on goal going into Cincinnati and and then put maybe putting a couple in the back of the net. Yes. I mean, we can get more into this later, but it seems like Brenner's kind of finding a little bit of form. I know one of his goals, he got two goals on the weekend. One of his goals was just a stupid error from the goalkeeper. They passed it back to him and he, his first touch was too heavy. So Brenner just took it right off his foot and put it in the empty net. Um, but remember uh, Luciano Acosta? Well, he's been their best player uh, and he has given Atlanta United fits every time we've played him, regardless of who the coach is. You mean uh, former PF failed PSG signing? Uh-huh, uh, yeah. Failed yeah. transfer uh, to PSG, Luciano Acosta, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, he's really good at MLS. And uh, Yes, he is very good at MLS. Did he yeah. ever even end up over at PSG or did that fall? I thought that broke down. I th- uh, yeah, but didn't I think he ended up somewhere and then um, came back. I think he just came straight back to Cincinnati. Where is, where is Atlas? Where is Atlas? Oh, he went to Liga Mackey's. He played there for uh, a season, maybe a season and a half. For He played 33 games for Atlas. And then he came back to Cincinnati in, in doing what he did at D.C. because he was really good at D.C. And Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's just back at it. It's just one of those guys, like little diminutive figure like Maxi Morales or Sebastian Javinko. Like they're good players, but they're even better in MLS for some reason. Yeah. So might, uh, Mike, might, Mike uh, Wisniewski, Eric Matt Lopez. Wisniewski. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't read Matt. So I'm sorry. At least your name's not. John F. Ford Barisi. Uh Eric Lopez needs to step it up. Eric Lopez, he really irritated me over the weekend. I feel like he was just just diving for the sake of it. He he was not even close to getting the ball. He would just lose control when he'd be through on goal. Um, yeah, he really does need to step it up. He's young, though. I want to give him the the benefit of the doubt because he can... I mean, he's not like a Barco type signing that he should be um, getting every burying every chance he gets for the expectations. But I feel like, yeah, he definitely needs to improve. Um, yeah, if we're gonna. To, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Dan. I didn't oh no, if we're gonna if we're gonna get any better. Yeah, I, I was gonna say Octavio Mangura said he uh, Eric Lopez proved that he's not ready for the first team. I don't know that I've seen a player as small mm-hmm. uh, and thin as he is and and not necessarily tall, like a Peter Crouch lumber the way that he lumbers whenever he runs. Like he does not have, I feel like he doesn't have pace. And I tweeted this out. He reminds me a lot too, where he's kind of clunky. Um, and I mean this with no disrespect to Tito Vialba, but he was kind of, I, I think Eric Quintana used to say he runs on railroad tracks. Like he's super fast. But like he doesn't have great lateral movement, he doesn't have uh, that that kind of agility, and I see that a lot in Eric Lopez. But without the speed that I saw with Tito, but I don't know. It's um, I don't know, man. It's it's tough. I I think that he probably needs to see the bench 
and we see somebody yeah. like Jackson Conway come in or or you move Chol up, bring in another midfielder once Santi Sosa's back, which may be Wednesday. I like I really liked what I saw out, out of Machop Chol. Uh, I think he's yeah. a very first, he's a very intimidating. Um, I think we've talked about that with some some of our old wingers. Like if they're they're big, they're kind of intimidating. Um, they're fast. And I mean, he, he checks, he checks those boxes. I think that he's kind of a, a steal of a signing or like a gem of a signing for this front office to, to pick him up. I think we had his rights, right? Like he went off to wake forest. He was a homegrown. Was, no, yeah, was he? I may not have been, but yeah, we, we did, I think have his rights, but he's, yeah, he's, I've been really pleased with what I've, what I've seen from him. What do you um, think about, uh, Greg for the culture asking, what do y'all think of using two up top? Well, we didn't really use two up top. We no, had... I mean moving. I think he's asking moving forward. Oh, okay. Well, no. Th- the point I was trying to make was we had Chol, who was more of a guy up top, and then we just had a, I don't know, like a a little mini fridge. You know, one of those mini fridges that you could keep <laughs> that would just, you know, we we played with ten men. You talking about um, the magic? You talking about the magic chef that you throw in the that you keep in your <laughs> office? The little magic yeah, chef yeah, fridge. Yeah. Has like has that little tiny freezer at the top that you'd be better off like just using a cooler instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. has a little frost on it that I yeah. don't think does anything. Um, I think that's that's a nap thing because it's it's called a fridge, but it doesn't actually work. Yeah, you know it doesn't work. So um, it's like sorry, yeah, but, just ragging on Kubo Taurus. So, yeah, Brian's back in the trap. It's been forever since I've seen him in here. Uh, but yeah, Greg is asking about moving forward using two at the top, and Brittany S is kind of uh, championing that with uh, Conway or asking if he met with Conway and Joseph. And I think that is the pair that you have to put up there. Yeah, I'm. I think so. I think Joseph is probably. I mean, he's always played. If he's the if we're playing two up top, he's going to be the one who's been further forward most of the time, but. Now we saw a little bit with Frank de Boer and now more so with Heinzer. He's coming back, but he he's the one you want at the tip of the spear. So whether it's like a true two up top where we have them like sticking up there and, and pressing at the, at the same time um, and having only maybe one of them come back, uh, I think we'll, we'll, they may line up. I think we'll probably line up in a four, three, three um, with not without using two at the top, but then it's like, well, then Conway, if Conway can't fit in at the wing and Joseph stays healthy, Conway's going to be that bench bench player. But yeah, I think, I think we could, we could use two up top. I think it's going to be kind of amorphous anyway, but I don't think it's going to be like a, a true two guys up top all the time. Ryan Kennedy, stay hydrated boys. Absolutely. We got, right. the, we got the legend, former uh, Atlanta United uh, Twitter admin, I believe Ryan Katnese stay hydrated. Got the uh, yeah. got the spicy water on deck. Yeah, the um, the uh, the social media admin marketing's never been the same since. Dude, I, yeah, it's true, and I feel really bad. I think I said this the other night, but like I feel really bad for those admins because the abuse that they were taking was so unnecessary, and like mm-hmm. to be in that position, I don't know. I guess it's what like companies like delta deal with all day where they just have somebody that's there to respond <laughs> yeah. to, to so many different complaints yeah. um to people trying to get free shit let's 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 call it what it is people complaining on twitter to brands it's really just to get free shit from them right like there's no other reason <laughs> i mean yeah 
Um, yeah. So I think Carlos Rangel saying, I think we'll see the return of the three five two. I mean, we I, potentially I, I could. So. I love that three five two. So Rob was saying that um, Rob Valentino was saying that he probably wasn't going to change much against Cincinnati because it's a quicker, such a short turnaround. So I imagine he's going to stay with you know that that four three three, but then. Um, potentially as we move forward, absolutely. I could see us playing three at the back way more often and hopefully seeing Sosa being pushed up and not having being that guy that goes back into the into that center back role. Because I think he could be more of a dynamic guy. Pushed up into the midfield, along with, you know, maybe Sadich. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um and then Carlos or was it Carlos Rangel? No, it was Mateo saying we need Miles back to make that back three work. I'm just going to say this, like Miles Robinson needs to be starting with John Brooks in the next world cup. Like, I think he's, he's proving to be our best. I, I granted he's, he's on a thin squad right now in gold cup. You know, everybody's either on holiday, whatever, or, um, you know, playing in MLS or what have you, I, I guess maybe not the MLS players, but everybody ramping up for, I guess not on holiday, ramping up for preseason in, in Europe and all that, but. Well, it's um, getting past Zimmerman, isn't it? Yeah. Which. I don't know. I, I think I honestly think they're kind of neck and neck. I don't want to take anything away from Walker's Zimmerman because I think he's a good, he's a great center back, but um, he's at least the number three on the depth chart for, uh, for Greg Berhalter. In my opinion, I saw Alexi Lawless putting, oh, I'm trying to remember the way he put it. He had Aaron long in the top five of the depth chart for center back, but not miles Robinson. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Yeah. No. Which I think is a little unfair because Miles Robinson is fantastic, as he as he was showing yesterday and in, embodying in the the Canadian team. But um, yeah, Brittany, yes, your thoughts about Adam Franco? Uh, I thought it was a promising performance. I really did. I think it, him, Walks, and um, Campbell played that back three pretty well, um, apart from letting up that goal. But he it was a promising start. I feel like the more he plays, he's going to get better, just like Joseph. Um, yeah, I think it was much better to see him in that game. Though there was a couple of mistakes, but there was a couple of real good takeaways and attacks that he broke down by himself on the wing. So that was it was good to see. Positive. That's what's good. Again, we're talking about a game where we didn't necessarily feel like we didn't put a goal into the back of the net. We lost. We lost to the best team in the East. Again, I'll, I'll say that probably tell him blue in the face, but like it was, it was the match. It was, it was after that match when he got, when Heinz got let go, which is so weird to me because it wasn't a bad match and we, we were going up against a great team. So I, it's, it's very weird. Yeah, you're right. Um, so Greg, just to go back to that Alexi Lawless chart, but he, it was, it was, John Brooks, Walker Zimmerman, Mark McKenzie, Aaron Long, and then the fifth. Oh, shit. I already forgot who the fifth is. Yeah, anyway. That wasn't Miles Robinson? No, it wasn't Miles. Miles was not his number five. But, yeah, I mean, maybe Greg's right. He needs to go off to Europe this winter to go ply his trade there. But and maybe that's the only reason Mark McKenzie maybe is in front of, of him, too. Not to say Mark, Mark McKenzie's a great defender. He was really good in Philly, and then um, I guess he's – Doing well. It was Miazga. That's right. Thank you, Brittany. Oh, Matt Miazga. Is it or yeah, it was Miazga. That's who it was. It was either yeah, that's right. Yeah. That guy, then, right? Yeah. And then we have Chris Richards over in Bayern Munich too. So it's maybe it was a top six depth chart. I don't know. It's it's <laughs> six, weird. seven. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. It's six or seven. Um anyway, back to I guess back to the match. I mean, 
Yeah, Alan Franco, I was pleasantly surprised with his, I didn't see him make any glaring mistakes, which I know sounds a little patronizing, but I feel like you could point to mistakes and then uh, missed assignments and that sort of thing, especially in a man marking system that he had in the matches that he played prior. And I don't think he really stood out in that way. He kind of flew under the radar in a lot of ways for me, which I think is usually indicative of a decent performance for, by a center back. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Thought Marco, we can hear you. Well, yeah, we can you. see you. He's watching on Twitter. Yeah, we're broadcasting no. oh, Periscope. on Yeah, we're broadcasting on YouTube, Periscope, and Twitch right now. Yeah. Um, Alan Franco looked way better than usual. That's what I said. That's yeah. what I said. And and that's very positive because I felt like George Campbell looked very comfortable out there too. What did- George Campbell got a seven point nine rating. He was rated our best player. He was he was very good. Um, how old is George Campbell now? Is he 20? George Campbell yeah, he's, is he's 20. 20. Yeah, yep. he is, yeah, I think he just turned 20 last month. So He had an 84% pass success, five dribbles. He won four aerials, three tackles. Um, he had good clearances. He got five. Oh, no, that's, that's not his. He didn't get five saves. Knighton got five saves. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. George Campbell played great. I didn't realize he was rated. He got rated so high. I'm just looking yeah. on who's cool. He looks very comfortable, and I love like he is. He has a big fucking body too. Like he is. Yeah, he does. I feel like he's a very imposing uh, center back, and I love that. And then I also think that that makes me feel when you take into George, you take into account George Campbell, Anton Walks, who's to me is the f- future captain of this Anton. team. Has to I be, love right? him, man. Um, yeah. Between those two, Alan Franco, you bring Miles Robinson back. I don't, and then you you take into account. I think Bryce Washington, I believe, is playing center back for the twos right now, and then Josh, and then Josh Bauer, our our number one draft pick this year, I believe, is also a center back. You have to feel not so bad considering the depth that Miles Robinson might get shipped off to Europe, and it might be it's 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 a win for Miles Robinson, I think, if he gets sold off to a bigger team, say in in Germany. Um, and then, I, I don't know, we have depth, and I feel good about it. And in a pinch, you have defensive midfielders like Santi Sosa and Franco Ibarra who could probably, like, in a injury-ravaged season, uh, which is ironic because they're both injured, but to have them come back and play one of those positions, I, I don't feel so bad. Like, um, I would have, yeah. dr- at the beginning of the season, I would have told you I would be in dread if we sold off Miles Robinson, but I don't necessarily... Um, feel as bad about that situation. No, I don't feel bad it, as bad about it as either. But I mean, it's it's kind of one performance. It's a promising performance in that we lost the game, but it was against one of the best. The I would argue the second best team in the league. Uh, it was only one nil, and it was a real crappy goal. Um, so you yeah, know, there's that. Oh, I feel like. But yeah, Elliot Beaven, maybe Bello and Miles leave in this year. Someone else in the trap yeah, saying, right. we've seen some rumors for Bello uh, getting sold. We've seen previously Galatasaray, and then there was another team. Olympiacos. Olympiacos, yeah. Yeah, um, that's teams. Yeah, so it would be interesting to see how George does over there. And then someone else in the trap, I apologize, I can't remember who it was, but they're saying, I haven't seen any rumors for Miles leaving. And, and that's true, I haven't seen any rumors for for miles leaving but then we can see yeah but things happen so quickly and then to carlos Rangel's point uh carlos Rangel saying sosa's not injured 
I, I'm sorry. You're right. He's suspended on yellow card accumulation. I have a lot of trouble right now keeping up with who's injured, who's suspended, who's uh, being held, who's being held out of the uh, the <laughs> who's being held out of the squad um, at the whim of the manager. Um, yeah, sorry. It's uh, it's hard to keep track of, especially whenever the team's not being transparent mm. about things. Yeah, and, I think. Sorry, go ahead, Tim. No, I was just going to say, MLS is so hard to keep track of injury news, too, I feel like, compared to other other leagues as well. It's, I don't know. It's kind of hard to follow that. Yeah. Uh, but that's a good point from Brian. I feel like every season, we uh, until this season, we talked about how thin we are, thin we are at uh, center-back depth. Um, you know, we only had Parkhurst and LGP for a little while there. Um so yeah, it's great that we've got all that. We've got a good core of depth, like that CDM, CB depth, which is which is great. So that's good right now. So knock on wood that we can build on that with whoever we bring in. Yeah, which man, it's how, how, Andy Carroll is available on a free. <laughs> Oh, you get what you pay for. <laughs> oh my gosh! Is it January? Like, can we overpay for him in in January? To, Just like to Liverpool did. Yeah, can we make him the <laughs> high? Can we make him at the time the most expensive English transfer in history, only to have him come in and just absolutely shit the bed? What yeah. is, what is the what is the British phrase for shitting the bed, Dan? Uh, shit the bed. Oh, okay. Say that a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, for the culture, the the uh, back half of the eleven is in decent shape. We um, absolutely, but it's then it's like well, there's some Brittany S mentioned last week. Santiago uh, Munoz. Oh shit! The lawyers here. <laughs> I guess I heard I heard there's a managing position open at Man United. Like throw my hat into the ring. <laughs> Oh, Good boy. to see you, boys. Yeah, welcome Again. aboard, Kevin. Sorry. Well, we've gone through the last game, Kev, and that's as far as we've got. We've touched a little bit on Cincinnati. We've been talking a little bit about some rumors and how we were um, happy with the performances of Alan Franco and Sadich. Um, what are you and guys talking Joe, about the Joel. game for? Nobody we were waiting. We were waiting to get you. We were waiting to get you in here. We were taking a water break and getting you in before be we nice. started. It yeah. must be nice. Uh, not only was he not giving them water, they were taking hydroxy cut. Same to get yeah to get in shape for for summer. It's that's why um, I've been doing two days, Dan. I figured I'd get ready since the <laughs> since the roster was getting a little depleted. I'd get my body ready so. Here okay, we I think idea. we, I think, I think we're ready to talk about the news. If I turn this, um, does this, does this still work? I just want to yeah, be you the could. same orientation as you guys. Oh no! Whoa! Oh. Now you're gonna. This is like a born movie. I'm gonna get. <laughs> I'm gonna get. I'm getting nauseous. Just wait. I'm gonna oh. get a phone book out. Start. <laughs> you're t- you're talking about a guy who uh, had to go lay down after playing Tomb Raider be- after 15 minutes because it was <laughs> it was way too shaky. 
I like I, time, I can't. I didn't have time to get my computer set up and all that. So there we go. Okay, we're on. Uh, we're on the same page here. D- here Dean go. is asking. Dean is asking what hydroxycut is. Hydroxycut is that thing that they play in midday commercial. It's like a midday commercial. It's a pill that just makes you pee out all your water, mm-hmm. and then you get ripped and you look really attractive, like they do in the com- the daytime commercials with Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas is in the the what is the other one called? Some testosterone replacement. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. One of those things. Um, yeah, dude, it's so Gabriel Heinze gets let go yesterday. Um, I knew about it. I couldn't tell you guys how I knew about it, but all I could tell you is I knew about it. Uh, yeah, but I knew about it before you, Tim, and I just didn't want to say anything. Yeah, um, I wanted to make the rounds and I let you guys. So I'll confirm the, my source which is probably the same source also said the same thing. So I know that, you know, because I knew probably from the same guy. I'm telling you guys that I knew though. <laughs> I'm telling you guys that I knew. Oh my gosh. That, that whole thing. <laughs> if, if Percy, if you're watching, you have been a constant source of just delight on Twitter the past few days. Um, it's yeah. Gabriel Heinzett was relieved of his duties. It was not a mutual parting of ways like with Frank DeBoer, as it was laid out in the, the departure emails or the departure um, materials, but it's um, yeah, he's gone. He gone. El gringo as, as uh, Gano. It's well, you um, talk about, you talk about the materials we've gotten. How ill-timed has that been every single time? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, Joseph isn't starting. By the way, season ticket renewals are coming out today. Would you like to re-up for next season? Um, <laughs> uh, side note, is: does anybody have any projections on whether or not there's even going to be a waiting list next year for season tickets, the way that that crowd looked on Sunday or Saturday? Not a chance, man. Yeah. Not a chance. But they're going to still rack up the numbers because of tickets sold versus people in the building because there's no way there was 42,000 people in the building this weekend based on what it looked like on TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, interesting point. Uh, we obviously aren't in the back room. We're not in the the clubhouse, whatever. We're not seeing the inner workings and like the the series of events that actually transpired. Carlos Rangel brings up a point. He said it felt like he was fired after the game because he took so long to address the media. <laughs> it's, and I think that was one of the things to to go to the press conference. And if you guys want like a more in-depth, uh, we're not here to tell you about everything that happened in the press conference. Leave that to the press. Like Jason and Mike did a great job on Off the Woodwork talking about that yesterday. But one of the things was media availability and that cultural, like um, that aspect to the culture definitely seemed to like be a big part in why he was let go. And Carlos is probably not wrong in kind of addressing that. Yeah. The, the cultural fit. I mean, I, I listened to Doug, Doug Robeson did a podcast today and he just let out all his feelings that have been boiling up under the surface that he did not like hindsight at all. Um, he, which you remember, uh, everybody gave him shit for that, right? You remember, yeah. like, I, he got a lot of shit for complaining about media availability. I think uh, whenever Heinz first got a uh, continued yeah. Dan, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, so uh, I mean, he basically—I mean, I don't think he called him an asshole, but he said he's not a nice guy. Um, and he maybe he was a nice guy to the players, but other than that, he wasn't a very nice guy to to anyone apparently. Um, and then the news comes out of you know, holding water from the players. And then I think it was 
Oh, I can't remember who it was on Twitter, but someone was saying in Velez, he if his players came in, if they gained weight, they would get fined. Um, but and I understand, and part of me, like before this, was like, well, you know, intense training sessions. I mean, you're a professional athlete; you should be able to do this. And how much? And, then, did, and how much were we talking about that when Tata was doing the exact same? thing? Right, exactly. Remember? And then yeah. when uh, and then. Uh, Doug in his latest podcast was saying, well, there is talk that Heinzer actually violated his, his contract by not providing these things um, and playing this way. So it's if you're if you're going against your contract, I mean, I, I don't know. I think Brian in the trap was saying we're still paying him potentially. But if you violated your contract, I feel like it's null and void and you're not getting anything out of it. Ah, the old Auburn football. Coaching carousel. I love it. I love it. You hire somebody, you fire somebody, you pay them for six years until you get three more in line. No, I think I I think it's (laughs) I think it's very much more so the at least I hope it's not this way. I was gonna say the Bobby Bonilla New York Mets. They're still paying Bobby Bonilla for a contract he signed in like the early nineties, right? Something like that. <laughs> or maybe, maybe it was, maybe it was mid nineties, something like that. Every year you'll see it trending on Twitter. Bobby Bonilla days, whenever the Mets have to pay, a, have to, they have to ship him off, uh, do a direct deposit of his contract oh. for that year. Um, yeah, it's so it's interesting, Dan, right? Like the, um, I, I think he probably did violate his contract. Um, well, isn't it, the, you would think that the players, Whatever, what's it called? Like, what's the acronym? Like A N A P S L or whatever it is. Like, whatever the players MLBPA or MLSPA. Yeah, the major yeah. league. You would soccer, think that that yeah. has to be a part of any coaching agreement that they have to adhere to that, right? Like, how could they go against what the <laughs> players' association bylaws are, or whatever? You know, that's the whole reason why you have them. It'd be like working a union job for an employer that's going to say no fuck you i'm gonna you're gonna do whatever i require you to do you know that's that's the whole reason why those things are in place so yeah it made sense that he would have a clause in his contract saying you have to adhere to the mlspa cba and you know you can't and i'm sure he got it it was just like Fuck this. I'm doing it my way. (laughs) i mean probably maybe had that old school mentality you know um I mean, he's he's done so much in his playing career and the the clubs that he's played for. I mean, you wonder like if he had got he because he's got so high, did he have to adhere to those same strict rules? I mean, you hear about Cristiano Ronaldo stays like ten pounds under his his um, recommended weight just so he can be a little faster as he gets older. Uh, but you, you know, you hear about crazy diets that that athletes do. You know, especially with wrestlers having to cut weight and everything. That you know, just to get that competitive edge and being a lighter soccer player makes you faster. And then if you, you know, I was thinking when I heard about the water, I was thinking, well, you know, the the Marines when um, when Easy Company in, in Band of Brothers were getting trained, they would go on like 10-mile runs and not be able to drink from their canteen because it just makes you stronger, right? Was it, but a was it, was it required <laughs> for you to watch that series to get your – This is such a that's random one of the reference best, for you. <laughs> that's one of the best seasons uh, – best programs ever made. Um, 
but I'm a big war war movie guy. So if you've got these things in place, you know, it's the same as like hiring children into the labor force. It's, it's illegal. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. Right. Because I don't think the stuff that he was doing on the surface is necessarily unheard of. Right. In, in, in a lot of ways, like we were talking about, like Tata got praised. I think he got praised and I think he got demonized. I've seen both like where people are dredging up their tweets from four years ago or whenever it was um, kind of either applauding or um, uh, I guess demonizing. I'll use that word again, Tata for his harsh training uh, or his overtraining and his, you know, the Bobby Boswell thread that's like 30 tweets yeah. long is talking about that. Um, but like that stuff's not unheard of. It's not unheard of to, from what I understand for teams to find players for being overweight. It sounds like the frequency at which he was doing it was, at least so in Argentina, wherever he's at. Here no, not just, not that. Uh, not, not, the last. That yeah. so that brings up a bigger point, which we'll talk about. But like the that happened at Velez. It has not been uncovered right. here. I don't think it happened here. But I'm just saying, like, it seems like he was doing these hard ass coach things, but even to a bigger extreme than the hard ass coaches are doing. And yeah. I, I don't know that it necessarily, and I don't know if it's like a old relative uh, mindset from whenever he was a player and being an old curmudgeon who was a fantastic right. player. And he's like, oh, well, back in my day, two both ways uphill in the snow, like misremembering how and thinking these kids are soft these days. But sports science exists, right? Like, and that, right. that's another right. callback to like whenever he was talking about uh, sports scientists and sports statistics and all that not not really mattering. Um, it's, but yeah, it's, it ultimately, I think, um, yeah, it just comes down. He's, he was a tyrant, right? Like, and that's not going to be accepted. It is crazy. It happens so quickly. I mean, it's gotta be within reason though, right? Like, I feel like my biggest issue throughout this entire, this, this entire tenure under, Hindsight, everything that happened with Felipe's article about the front office and Carlos Bocanegra and the history with all of that is how shrouded the entire organization is from legitimate transparency to the fan base and the public. Because I don't know how much of like what we're hearing coming second and third hand, how severe it is, how widespread it was. Like, deny, like, okay, so. He was running two a days. How long was he running two a days? Was it happening in the pre? Like they all the references I saw to it was it was during preseason. Okay, well that seems to make sense. You're coming off of a long delay. You want to get players acclimated and conditioned pretty quickly. You you do two a day splits so that that happens, and then you taper off from that. I don't know. I just don't no. It was know in enough. July. It was during the international break. He okay. Was doing oh, it. oh, that's what it was. That's when it was. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, same thing with like the water stuff. Like. Was that happening every single day? I just don't – I'm not saying that what he did was right because I definitely don't agree with all of that. But I think that there's a bigger story going on here that we're never going to get all the answers to. And ultimately all it does is leave Atlanta United as a team in a lessened position going forward in – getting a new manager at this rate. Like, I feel like 
I don't know, man. I just don't know what way to look. Like, was it all just the the conditioning stuff? Because certainly the front office knew about all of that. It's not like they didn't. I mean, as involved as Carlos Bocanegra has been going to training sessions and everything else that we've heard about from Felipe's articles, like, no way he didn't know that kind of stuff was happening. But all of a sudden, results aren't happening. Then all the Joseph stuff happens. Like, it's just there's so many different levels to this thing that I don't know that we're ever going to get a clear and total picture of what was really going on. Yeah. I, and I think there's an element of that. I'm, I'm hoping at some point, you know, probably a year or so in the future, we, we may hear more of like that behind the, behind the scenes of what, what was actually going on. Um, I'm kind of interested to next hear uh, Heinz's next interview with like, if he, interviews gets interviewed with someone in South America to see what he says about this whole thing. Um, be interested to hear what his perspective was. Uh, but it's, I mean, there must've been so many, but um, for them to like pull the switch so quickly, it seems as though that there, there must've been a, many things that are going on or the, just the, the players and the staff were just so unhappy that it was just, it, it was, there wasn't a chance of getting it resolved. Yeah. I think so. I want to dispel something that I, I'm sorry, guys. You, you fans, you 17s, I love you to death. I don't think you were the reason. I don't, I don't think the fans were at all the reason um, that this happened. I think there is a combination of, I think Joseph Martinez was the flashlight that shone a light onto what was going on in the front office who probably like you're saying, Kevin knew what was going on, knew about the, the, the violations or the, um, the complaints that were given MLSPA. I think they have to save face at that point, because I think a lot of questions are being asked given the amount of, um, the amount of media around the team, the amount of just availability. I mean, the availability is like scant compared to the rest of the MLS teams, but like, just the amount of investigative reporting that was going on. Like at a, at some point you have to say, Oh shit, don't dig any deeper. We'll get rid of this guy. Uh, because a lot of it doesn't make sense to be honest. I mean, the guys right. that are the guys in Argentina that are coming out, the, I can't remember the reporter's name off the top of my head. Who's talking about how it was well known that he would find players and, and weigh them like yeah. pretty frequently and find them like that stuff that, on a vetting period that I think was, I think people said was between five and seven months. I don't know if there was a, like a designated uh, exact time frame that they vetted Gabriel Heinze, but you would think that stuff would have surfaced, right? Well, especially just like any other job, you have references, right? Like for a manager, you would expect to talk to former players, former, you know, former teammates, former front offices that had to deal with them all of that across the board to get a feel for that. And as long as it took to get him assigned as a manager, to your point, Tim, there's no way that stuff didn't come up. I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to feel about it. I think it's the right call. Ultimately, just like I felt like the Frank DeBoer decision was the right call based on the way that it was spun by the front office. But I just have such a, such a weird feeling about this team and the state of this team and the way it's being managed by the front office right now that regardless of how I feel about it being 
the quote unquote right decision. It's based on the understanding that the reasoning that we've been all given as fans is not completely transparent and in is some way some some relief of uh responsibility by this front office in some regard, you know, and and there's no and there's still faults in that logic one way or another, right? Like who so who's who's deciding who's deciding who the manager is now? Like, is it the front office? Is it the players? Is it, you know, how, how is this happening? And Tim, I agree. Like what Joseph did in shining a light on the Heinz situation absolutely needed to happen. But isn't that also the front office? Like, isn't there supposed to be checks and balances? Like, isn't, shouldn't there be some sort of protocol in place for those things to be remedied without a, full dismissal of a manager like I, I just don't get it it just set it just sets this weird precedent for me where I don't know that any manager is going to come in here with any confidence that they're going to be able to run this club without stepping on toes getting someone upset losing the locker room trying to manage trying not to overcoach and again all of this is with saying that like what Heinze was doing was definitely overcoaching these players and and overtraining these players and ultimately what I think led to a lot of the injuries that this team was plagued with. But there's this whole thing is just a murky fucking mess right now. And I don't know how this team recovers from it going forward. And they've got to, I I don't know what they're going to do though. It's going to be, I don't think it's impossible. Like I feel, I feel like the, the next coach that comes in could take a real bump from what's happened in the past. Like I know Rob Valentino is the interim right now and he's probably should get a bump because apparently he's well liked by all the players. But I mean, the next guy could come in and like really help everyone like move through the, the negativity and the relationships that, that can happen. Like, I feel like there's a good opportunity for like a really good man manager to be able to come in and smooth out things between the players the front office and at least be that connectivity through it all so that yeah that now there is people are aware that there is that um situation at the club but it could be a real boost and it could potentially get someone in there as the manager who we think is not a good fit but actually helps like Alex Ferguson wasn't the most biggest tactical genius but he was such a good man manager and kept the players happy um was like a father figure to them and became incredibly successful so i think there's potential for someone like that to bring in it's just going to be they can't they can't bring in another author um authoritarian figure to just ram home what they want to do all the time so like i don't know if a you know let's say bielsa comes in that's probably not going to be a good fit based on the fragility of the mental state and relationships that are currently there. No, I agree. Um, and I tend to agree with Scott McMillan. As much as I love Darren Eels and what he's brought to this team, he has to bear some of the brunt of the responsibility here that it's, I don't know that the Frank DeBoer hiring necessarily was a failure. I know that that's probably up for debate. It's probably never going to be settled, but to see what happened with hindsight, to see some of the the signings that have happened and it just, it's never going to be good for the front office to have to let two guys go in the, in a matter of whatever it was, 12 months. Um, 
that the two guys were were let go. Um, yeah, it seems like there needs to be a, Scott McMillan says for those of you who are listening and not watching, it says it seems there needs to be a restart as if this is a new franchise, new front office, new manager. And to Kevin, your point, I think if I'm a prospective manager, if I'm sitting over there, I threw his name out there earlier because I would love for him to come, but I don't think he's. Um, yeah, probably. He's got his eyes on the Barcelona job whenever Kuman gets fired. But um, no, Eddie Howe, like Eddie Howe from Bournemouth, um, I, not with Bournemouth anymore, but if he's looking at this team, he has to think, I need I like I need to have a different structure above me than what the last two managers have had because it even if what has happened to Heinz was completely all of his own um all of his own doing and it's it's just repercussions of the way he was managing another person from an outside perspective is still going to say yeah but there's two managers that have been gone in the course you guys have had two managers in 3 years in 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 a way two two managers in 2 years um, you guys let go of a guy in the middle of a pandemic or after a pandemic laden season. Um, it's, I think you do have to kind of clean house and start fresh in that way. I mean, we have the cachet of being, you know, w- the highest attended uh, stadium in MLS throughout the entire season. We have trophies in our cabinet only being five years into, not even five years into MLS. Like we're going to be able to attract players still. I think we're still going to be able to attract managers, but I think we got to do something to um, to fix that. I mean, I think it was, I don't know that I got the response, but I believe Paul Tenorio from The Athletic asked Darren Eels, why do they feel like they're entitled to be in charge of the managerial mm-hmm. search? And I think that is a fantastic question to ask. I think what that, was the answer? With... What's that? What was, what was the, the answer? answer? I know. I that's what I'm saying. I don't think I saw the answer in the press oh, yeah. conference, but that's the perfect answer. Like, I, I think that is right. A, prop question to ask because you fail twice in a row like that it's it's going to be um it's going to be hard i mean i do love that doug came out yesterday <laughs> and immediately said knowing a source close to frank DeBoer, there's one coach that already has his hat in the ring and he would be willing to come back could yeah. you imagine there's no spectacle? way there's no fucking way that would happen well i mean my point is like just as much as the clearly this this office is is not they're what one for three at this point on their hits. That's not really great odds. And now we're going into our fourth signing, but it gets into this, who watches the watchman territory at some point. Like I want somebody during one of these press conferences to be like, what does the ownership aside from the front office start to like, who's putting Darren and Boca in check at a certain point. Like somebody has got to be checking the people making these decisions. And right now it's like, our signings aren't really producing much. Our managers aren't producing much. Like as much as I, we've all sat here and said, like you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and don't get rid of the whole front office just because of the the misfortune of a manager or a couple of players. Like you're getting to the point now where this entire thing can get too far out of reach really, really quickly over the next one to two years to where you start losing a fan base, you start losing a culture, you start losing an identity, and then you've lost a team. Like that's, that's a slippery, slippery slope, right? Like this team is not producing results right now. There's talent on the field, but it's in a, it's in bits and pieces, right? Like it's, it's not the team of 2018 or even 2019 for that matter. You know, one of the thoughts I had the other day is like, aside from Joseph, 
maybe maybe Lennon, maybe Sosa this year, but it's like there's nobody this team doesn't really have the kit appeal that I think it did two years ago, which is another just silly thing. Like there's not a roster full of players where people are running out to get their names on the back of a kit. You know, there's, there's a lack of that. There's a lack of a a manager that's, that's inspiring new players to come and want to be a part of that. Like, the the stadium looks empty this past weekend. Again, I, I'm not. I don't want to sit here and say the sky is falling, but at the same time, I just want to say that like this, there's a lot of pressure on this front office, and we heard it all this time of like we got to get this signing right. Well, they didn't, and they vetted it for seven fucking months. Like, and they're you, Tim to your point, you're saying that these things that are well known in the in their past ten years is all of a sudden just not being brought up or it is being brought up and it is allowed to take place. But then all of a sudden, you know, a couple of things take place and, and they're be, that's being held against them. So it's almost like this rap sheet that they just keep in their back pocket. You know, I just, I don't get it, man. I really don't. Yeah. I think, I think that, I mean, obviously Darren and Carlos are going to be given this opportunity to fix it. Um, I feel like, when Heinzer was hired, I was really excited. I thought he was the guy uh, to bring in. Um, but I think there's, you know, to the to the point about the drama that can be there. You know, if you're a, if you're a savvy contract negotiator when you're the new manager who's coming in, you've got to be say, hey, I've I've heard these things. I've talked to these people. I've heard there may be issues. So why don't you give me some financial? Um, uh, um, assertions that you know or some financial obligations that we can we can meet and if we feel like these are being breached then you're going to have to pay me x amount of dollars because i want x control of uh roster roster spots x amount of input into scouting of new players and things like that so i feel like there's a lot of opportunity for somebody to come in here and they and you know chaos is a ladder so you're yeah. saying you want Jurgen Klinsmann to come in, right? Is that that's what you're saying? You want a, a a manager who comes in and commands a lot of money, commands a lot of responsibility, wants to take over all the personnel decisions. Bring him in. Bring in Klinsmann. I don't. I think he's probably just surfing off of Long Beach right now, or wherever he is, Huntington Beach or in Cal, Southern California. But um, so when it when it comes to talking about who fills the role, I'm. I'm admittedly way out of my depth as far as candidates and who may be a potential Dabo. Fit, but, but <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that not Dabo specifically, but there's been a lot of talk about Ted Lasso online. And I say that to say right. the similarities in Ted Lasso and Dabo and Nick Saban, who somebody mentioned in the trap, which is coaches that inherently create a culture and a, and a foundation within a team, whether no matter the sport that inspires players to play for them, whether that's an aggressive tactic, like what Heinze was trying to do, which ultimately was too aggressive and the players weren't bought into that because it wasn't producing results. Also, to the point in the trap, like if you're going to coach like Nick Saban, you better win like Nick Saban, right? Like if you're going to run a fucking program like that, it better produce results, which that definitely was not happening. Um, but my question was, when you're looking at a new manager with everything that Atlanta's faced, you've brought in three different style of manager from arguably two regions. You've got South American coaches and then you've got a European coach. 
one thing that this team hasn't done that's come up on Twitter is does this team look for a coach that has MLS experience? And what are you guys' thoughts on that? Because that's something that this team hasn't pursued so far in any of its three managerial positions is somebody that has MLS experience, not just with player salary caps and the way the league is run, but also with that player association regulation and guidelines, you know, do you think that's a valuable path to take for the team? Yeah, I think it, it is valuable. Um, the thing is the, the coaches with MLS experience that are available right now are not, you know, it's, People are like yeah. <laughs> so there's there's Jason Christ, Chris Armas, Mike Petke, um, but then um, you know a name a Ben Olsen, a name that's been um, floated out by a number of people is Dome Tarant, uh, who was who left NYCFC because one of the reasons was he was frustrated with the whole MLS setup. So from what I've heard, he would be a great fit, but if he's already left the job because he doesn't like all the rules and the cap, then he's probably not going to want to come to Atlanta and, and deal with that, all of that anyway. But I mean, he, he would be, I've heard he's great building, trying to build up the, um, the, the youth academies. He's uh, a good, you know, aggressive tactical manager. Uh, It's just the, can he, can he deal with everything else that that's now going with it? And also, you know, he's, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him because Darren and Boca should have a lot of pressure on them. I mean, if, if this next hiring fails, Oh yeah. That's, I mean, surely that's going to be, it should be Arthur looking up and saying, okay, what are, what are the replacements now? I mean, he should be looking at who would be replacing them anyway, right now. I feel like, um, you know, you've got to have a list of candidates. I, if I would imagine, that's what I'd be doing. Does who anybody... goes first? Out oh, of go those ahead. Two? Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, who goes first out of those two, Carlos and uh, Darren? Oh, it's got to be Carlos, right? Carlos has got to be the fall guy, even if it's all Darren's doing. Like he's he's Carlos's boss, and he's gonna, you know, personnel decisions. I mean, honestly, and and Greg brought up a good point. He's like, what is uh, Demetrios's? um position in all of this because he hasn't i don't haven't seen anything from him um him coming in being a new um head of player personnel but um yeah it's got to be carlos right and from what i understand maybe his contract is out at the end of the year too so maybe they just kind of let him ride off into the sunset um so oh i didn't realize his contract was over the end of the year i i may be wrong i i saw that being floated around um does anybody know how to brian's point (laughs) he said uh, El Piojo Super Saiyan dot gif. Do we know how Piojo's doing at Tigres? Like, are they? I have not been following oh, Liga no. Mackies, and I had to even find that he's managing Tigres right now. But I would take Piojo in a fucking heartbeat. <laughs> Could you imagine him at Mercedes no. Benz? No. Oh my gosh. Oh, I would take that in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. In terms of the American managers that are available, I know people like kind of scoff at the Jason Christ thing. He might be the best American um, MLS savvy manager that's available at the moment. Um, you know, there was a point in time, I think, where he was, you know, uh, a sought after manager. So, um, okay, I guess Dimitrios, Dimitrios doesn't get in until August. He's not taking over Carlos's 
duties until August 1st. One, one thing's for sure. Next year on the vault, we will have a separate question, which will be, will the manager make it through his first year? Because that's a new it's a new game we're going to have to play every season as well. <laughs> What's the over-under on the tenure for the new acting manager? <laughs> it's Yeah. It's kind of crazy, man. It, it is. It's crazy. But at the same time, so I feel like, and I think I've seen people, I think Carl Segge said, you know, like we should never, it's, it's dangerous to pander to a player. And I think that's true in any sport, any, any club. Um, you know, I likened it like it might've been a situation almost like I've uh, been watching too much formula one, the, the drive to survive stuff. But like when, when you have a player like, or like a driver like Fernando Alonso who's calling the shots for management. And I think people accuse LeBron James of doing this and imploding some teams, but it's I don't think it's ever a good thing. I don't I don't think Joseph's doing that. And in kind of the events that have followed, I feel like he was no. probably more yeah. I think he was more speaking up for his team. And it actually and it, it definitely was a pissing contest, it seemed like at first, but now it does seem like he was kind of sticking up and trying to shine a light on what was going on. Um Shit, I, I just completely lost that train of thought. But um, inmates running the asylum. Yeah, inmates running the how asylum. Mu- how much do you allow players to make the decisions for the team? I think zero. I think you have to say zero, right? You have to say the players don't really have a say outside of their play style in what the what the front office does to fill the managing vacancy. Yeah. I, I think. I mean, if you've got someone. I I don't know. I say if you've got someone that's in Joseph's position, you know, he's a he's a he's been a galvanizing force within the city. He obviously ha- has a big circle of influencers. I don't see why he couldn't be someone who would be a member of the the interview board or something like that. I I mean, you know, ultimately the the decision's going to come down to Eels and Boca, well ultimately Eels, but there's definitely a way you could involve Joseph and say, you know, give us what's your, what's your take on it? You know, I mean, you don't have to take his opinion, but just to have him feel like he's being heard. Um, I think it should just be the, I don't even think it should be just Joseph, man. I mean, if, if anything, what the past two seasons have taught me is how valuable the locker room is, right. Whether it's one player or multiple players and, Again, we don't know what that process is like for their evaluation of potential managers, but I would really hope that the front office includes the entire roster in the interview process for a new manager, whoever that may be, where they conduct their own interviews and their own discussions with managerial candidates. I don't know why the players aren't involved in a separate set of those interviews and presentations that the manager comes and gives to the entire team so that the team can weigh in on that decision-making process. Maybe that does take place. I don't know. Again, we, we just aren't privy to that, but if somehow this voice gets amplified from this show to urging the front office to do anything, it would be that somehow the players have to be it's like, I mean, again, it's just, it's become so evident over the past couple of years, how important that is. Like you've got to find a way to include them as a voice and deciding factor in the organization. If you're going to use their voice as a, 
deciding factor on the back end of it. Like it, it can't just be after the fact. That's not how you're going to build success at the beginning, you know? Yeah, I think if you, I, you could just take, you know, because I think, you know, when you're bringing in someone as a manager into a, who is a high, going to be a higher up into a business, you'll know, you'll at least take, you have the people who have the ear and temperature of kind of like the the general staff. So you can bring them in and just see, you know, let them have a conversation with them. But I don't know, you know, do you get him to talk to Eric Lopez? I don't know how. Not individually. <laughs> I mean, like as a locker room, like it's, it's like a user group meeting, Dan, like you got to go present to all of everybody that's going to be using the space and make sure that you're not overlooking something that may mm. only be important to one or two players, but makes or breaks the entire midfield as a result of it. And potentially the locker room because the engine isn't going, you know, whatever it may yeah. be. I don't, you know, I'm just thinking about it from that standpoint. I'm not saying that the manager needs to meet with each player individually, but I think that it would be a valuable exercise if a manager was actually presenting to the team and getting questions and feedback from the team on yeah. multiple on a multiple candidate level so that that's evaluation like that's part of that evaluation process that's just yeah it's definitely a bunch of levels you want to go through i mean you got to get the water pressure right right get the exactly water fixed or get water at all like do they yeah. do they have a well yeah. at, at Mar- <laughs> uh at, at choa um they're going and pumping. No, I guess that's a good point. But one of the balancing acts that you have to play there too is like MLS, just the amount of turnover, sheer turnover that how much do you like invest in True. certain players' opinions during these interviews? And um, just, yeah, just the, I don't know, the dynamics of the league in general. It's it's tough. Like Dan, Dan let's get back to like managerial candidates. Realistic, give me one realistic or you're like your realistic um replacement that you want to see and give me like one like dream appointment uh, out of um available managers so i think a realistic one i think could be dome Turan. i think he's he's a pretty good shout um pie in the sky i mean i wanted marcelo gajardo you know when they fired frank de boer um apparently his contract's ending uh, at the end of the year so maybe there's a way you can get him in i mean there's a lot of talk that like you want to be you want the next hire to be a very quick hire you don't want it to to drag out to the end of the season otherwise this season could be you know completely in the toilet already um so some i mean marcelo Gajardo would be just awesome i mean he's built rivers academy um you will give chances to to young players once you know attacking flair soccer i mean it's he's managed a lot of personalities um with big egos i mean he he's probably not going to come here it's probably going to go to europe or, or something like that if he wants to move on from river people are assuming that he he does want to move on um especially now they've got all these financial issues uh but he would be he would he would be a great manager, I think, for for Atlanta United. But Dermot Toronto, I feel like that's the thing. Like guys with MLS experience. I mean, this is just me, and it's it's not very exciting. It's like, yes, I want us to win. Yes, I want us to win bad. I want us to play attractive, fast, 
soccer. No, you would be I want us to dominate teams, but four three as long <laughs> as it's exciting. Got it. No, that's You're the thing, that Kevin. Train. I don't want us to to win four three. I want us to win four zero. I don't. I want domination. I want it, we dominate so bad that it gets boring because we win the trophy so many times. I want championships. So you're saying you want a manager to come in and play total football? I think there's a manager out there right now <laughs> who is available, who employs a style called total football, Dan. And I think you would like the way that he manages. I think we should bring him in for a, an interview. Um, yeah. I mean, Kevin, he was successful. Frank DeBoer was successful here. It was just, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the same Atlanta United as we watched win in the trophy in the first two years. It was not as exciting. You're right. It was successful. Multiple trophies, not just one. <laughs> right, exactly. <yeah. laughs> and I, I, I surprisingly saw people coming to his defense whenever they were talking about year-over-year year turnover and how he didn't have Tito, he didn't have Gressel, and he didn't have yeah, uh, Nagby in his second season. It's like he... He was one worldy from um, whatever his name, Alex DeLeon, from and going to and a Miss PK from mm-hmm. a shore uh, a shore bet at the at the at the penalty spot. But um, Kevin, do you have anybody in mind that you know? Oh, I already told you I don't know this shit. I, okay, I, I have no idea. Okay, so I I'm with you. I think the the Dome Tarant thing. Um, I don't know a ton about him, but knowing that he's been Pep's number two in multiple places, that he did he win Supporter Shield with NYCFC? He did, right? No, he didn't win Supporter Shield. Was he close to Supporter Shield? He was. Was that the year that Red Bulls won it? That sounds right because he was there in 18 and 19. He was there two seasons, I think, with. Yeah, I think um, it was the year that Red Bulls won it. Because Philly was 20, Red Bulls was 19. And then who was in 18 or maybe they were 18. No, Toronto, maybe it was 18. Anyway, um, I like that idea. I like that idea of, of Dome Toronto. Um, but there was a name that, uh, there was a name that Mike and Jason brought up yesterday that had me thinking for obvious reasons near and dear to my heart. But I also think, if people thought the whole sexiness from Frank DeBoer kind of uh, was a distraction, I have a feeling this guy would be a much bigger distraction. He's, a, <laughs> he's available. I mean, can you imagine? No. Can you imagine? This is my pie in the sky. Is Andrea Pirlo coming in and managing? Oh, wow. man. Can you just imagine? Can, no Pirlo, no party? I, I get to wear that shirt to games. How did he do in Juve? Didn't he? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't care. Bring him <laughs> in. I don't fucking care. I named my dog after the man. Bring him in. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he's an incredible player. I mean, he was transcendent. But I, is his manager in Korea as <laughs> good? He won, he, he won Copa Italia. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, you're right. But they haven't. Um, Bryce, Bryce and Cicero, uh, Cicero in the trap. Haven't seen that. I think I saw that name earlier. First hey, time. Bryce in DeChambeau's in the trap. Bryce and DeChambeau with his protein shakes. Uh, same fourth place. Pirlo was uh, he was fired after his second season. I would I would like a Pirlo party. Um, 
Yay, won 34, <laughs> drew 10, lost 8. This is uh, my new, I guess this is my new call. It's uh, Kendrick Brock says, Tim, I'm not a fan, aka I'm not a fanboy, I'm just passionate. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, they, they also brought up Frank Lampard as being available. Um, I Premier, think Steve, League, Premier League experience. Yeah, I think Stevie G is holding out for uh, Klopp's contract to run out. And he just won. Hey, I mean, he just, seriously, do you, know, do you want Steven Gerrard to be the Liverpool manager? Do I? Serious question, yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> you put me on the spot. This doesn't, this isn't going to sound good. No, probably not. Um, no, yeah, that's the right answer. No, you don't. No, it's it, it's very impressive that he... Hey, un- <laughs> it's very impressive that he helped, um, he helped Rangers unseat Celtic after whatever that rain was that they had. But yeah, I don't know. That's... Uh, I don't know. That's a good idea. Um, who else is available? Antonio Conte is available too. I think. Isn't a- he very defense? He did. Was it he uh, got Inter to win the Serie A title? I think that was this last yeah. year, wasn't it? Yeah, he managed Inter um, to win the title. So I don't know. It's tough, man. There's. It's going to be some. I don't know. Maybe Valentino's fucking awesome. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe. Hey, maybe. That's what happened with Dabo. He was yeah. the interim head coach, got the head coaching position, won the team over, and now look at him. You should see his house on Kiwi too. Like he is doing <laughs> well for himself. Like he is uh he is crushing it. Yabo Dabo do. Hey, we need to find our own Dabo. Exactly. Yeah, no, I that's totally what I'm agree. That. That's yeah. what that's what I'm saying. Whether you know, that's what that's what makes Ted Lasso such a great show. It's it's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a lovable uh, he, a lovable manager that came in and made a club his own through a culture that he's created, and I think that's what this mm-hmm. club desperately needs right now. Is but that what, they, this club does not have a culture to which the players identify with because there hasn't been one instilled by a a, a managing coach over the past five years. Wasn't there a parallel to be drawn between Ted Lasso and Heinze in the I don't care if we win mentality? <laughs> <laughs> it was very much like, I remember seeing that quote. I was just like, wait, where did I just hear that? <laughs> oh, you just kind of say it with a Southern accent, some charm. And I think people would like it. I think people would be good with it. But yeah, um, huh. it's, I don't know, man. Do we have... We're we're an hour and twenty in. We're only forty or fifty minutes into Kevin's. Um, do we have? Uh... I'm just going through the trap, and I saw Carl Seggy and just comment and just threw up in my mouth. Alan Pardue. Oh God. Yeah. No. Cool. I saw Mark Hughes is available. Oh my gosh! Has anybody <laughs> has has anybody managed? I I'd be interested to know, Dan. Who do you think has managed more clubs, Mark Hughes or Big Sam? Big Sam, surely. You think so? Yes, I felt like I Mark Hughes. I felt like Mark Hughes coached a lot of teams in the mid in late two thousand uh, late two thousands, but I may be wrong. Because he was there whenever the the oil money first came into city, and then they were like, "You, this guy can't win with all this money." Like, <laughs> we have to let. Uh, yeah, I guess he's coached seven teams. Well, Big, who I feel yeah. like Big Sam's probably managed I don't know seven teams in the past two years. Um, I don't know. 
Yeah, there's, I mean, you go through, there's the previous Watford manager, um, I can't remember his name, Octavio Flores. I think he's available, but he hasn't managed in a year. I mean, I feel like with, with some of these, you just kind of, you know, you just pull in names out of a hat with the with the people who are available. You've got to listen to rumors. Um, but I think it makes sense to have some MLS experience. Agreed. So, yeah, Octavio is saying bringing in Sam Allardyce. You can now say bring in Sam. I've only been relegated one time in the 11 teams I've coached uh, Allardyce because it used to be he'd come in and uh, rescue teams, but that wasn't the case this past yeah. season. No um, longer. Unfortunately for him, uh, maybe we can get um, Roy Hodgson out of retirement. Good old Roy. <laughs> Good old Roy. Good old Roy. Uh, so, Kevin, why do you think you would make a good manager for Atlanta United? I wouldn't. I'd be a terrible manager. <laughs> delegate, delegate, delegate. There were plenty of people in the trap and on Twitter who were talking about... Um, ooh, actually... Hold, I was I was going to say the the media availability seems to have already had a huge uptick today um, at at Children's up in uh, Marietta. Um, who was it? I, I lost it. There it is. Matt Wisniewski, bring in Burhalter. So it'd be a, a reverse FIFA. You start with the national team and then you get recruited by a club. I like it and bring them in. Yeah. Um, I there's nobody else I can think of. I they're going to hire somebody. Uh, I, they brought up Hernan Crespo yesterday, who I didn't even know was managing. I guess he's managing down in Brazil right now, and they have even shorter um, tenures than we do at Atlanta United. Does anybody, other than Toronto, oh, has sure. can can you think of any teams that have had such a short uh, um, managerial carousel or like a timeline with managers, Dan? Um, I feel like, uh, yeah, surely there's Andre Villas-Boas. He didn't last too long here and there, did he? And then Mourinho, he's he's had some pretty short appointments. No, I just mean in MLS. Was Did Andre Villas-Boas oh, manage in MLS? No, 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 not at all, no. Okay. Um, I know he's a free agent. I mean, he's looking for a job. <laughs> um, not, not in my... I feel like Domain Tarant, did he even last the whole season? I think he did. I think he did the whole one season in NYC. Um, but um, GBS, did he make the whole season with LA Galaxy? I don't I think don't he did. I don't know that he did, yeah. Um, no, he might have because I feel like um, Vanny came in right after, right? Mm-hmm. I may be wrong. Yeah. Now, Greg Vanny. That would have been a great coach to to get, but he's not South American, dude. I would have totally killed the South American pipeline, man. Right. <laughs> well, for fuck's sake. Yeah. For fuck's sake. I can we? Yeah, I saw somebody also asking, "Can we kill that, please? Can we kill that narrative that we absolutely have to have a South American manager because yeah. it's not some silver bullet just because you're from South America that." Um, no, as that we've seen. Be- it's the culture that's the most important. Yeah. Um, like if if you can create a culture that's accepting of failure, um, then people will are okay. You know, you'll bring 
not complete failure, but you know, if people say, okay, I messed up and say, like, okay, well let's work hard. Let's figure out how we can fix, fix whatever. Yeah. Diego Alonso works for Brian. Uh, that was in Miami's manager, right? I think so. Yeah. Yep. He's gone. I mean, he's potentially bring him back. He's got some I like- experience. I don't know how much real MLS experience he has though. Cause he had five <laughs> DPs <laughs> under him. Uh, yeah yeah kendrick brock saying we need to manage to understand south american soccer culture though yeah i mean i mean i feel like we're gonna have to pick and choose i mean what we can i feel like if you can bring in a culture and be accepting of other cultures then you know because not every player we have south american but probably our most expensive ones will be or, or just who's accepting and can change the way things 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 you know turn turn about turn about and how you how you bring about that culture and acceptance into the into the team i don't know where kevin went um but he he gone he Mm -hmm. gone um i do like the the shot of xavi from uh from octavio managing al Saad in um in i believe in saudi arabia is that right I think so. I'm not sure. No, Qatar. No. Qatar. Sorry. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened to Kevin. I don't know where he went. Um, something tells me he's trying to pull a stunt, and I want to pull a stunt and end the show before he gets back. But okay, I think <laughs> yeah. Octavia. I mean, uh, sorry, not Octavia. Elliot Beaven saying maybe former women's world winner coach Jill Ellis. I remember. Jason Longshaw was talking about her because she was being considered, or there was rumors she was being considered for the DC United job. And his issue with her was she's just not tactically strong enough. I mean, she's had, she's coached teams that have the best players in the world that have not had much competition. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Potentially, but from what I've heard, she's not the tactical. Um, she doesn't have that tactical acumen that uh, we'd be looking for. Well, that's good to know. Oh wait, where did Kevin go? He's, he said he had to go. Um, he gave us his score predictions. Okay, never mind. All right, I, I wasn't checking the private chat. Oh yeah. So, what are the? Should we want to go into? I mean, I did some work for the download. Do you want to do that? Yeah, go for Quick, it. Quick, unless you have any more, more management stuff. No, go for it. Okay. Uh, Cincinnati, they are, let me find my little standings thing that I had going on here. Jeez, what a freaking mess. All right. Cincinnati, they're 11th, just below Atlanta United. They have one game in hand against us and only one point behind us. They're on 12. We're on 13. Uh, They conceded a bag of goals, though. They've conceded 25 goals, uh, scored 16. So they've scored three more goals than us. And they actually have the same amount of shots per game. I think it's 12.12 shots on... um, that they have per game, which is the same as us. Uh, They've won three games... So they've equaled the amount of kits that we have. And they've lost six and drawn seven, where Atlanta United, we've won two, lost four, and drawn drawn seven. So, I mean, they've been getting a lot better. I mean, they had uh, a great game against Montreal, um, 
this weekend and lost 5-4. So they've been <laughs> they were two I think they were two goals ahead at two times during that match and then capitulated. I mean Vermeer had one error um where he just spilled the ball and they were able to Montreal were just able to capitalize but Montreal had Torres playing for him who I think he hit the post twice and finally scored a goal and maybe even got an assist. Um Montreal were very threatening. They they deserved to win that game. I feel like Cincinnati, that scoreline kind of flattered them a little bit. Um, but, of course, Luciano Acosta has given Atlanta United fits every time we've played him. Remember, we played him all those times with DC and just couldn't get a win. Um, and then he, I think you, me and Tim were talking, he went to Mexico and then came back uh, for Cincinnati. So he's been playing really very good. It seems like Brenner's finding a little bit of form now. So, um, and they've had a very consistent 11 over the past five games. It was really the the game against Montreal that kind of changed things up a bit. It seems like they've been going with a 4-3-3 every game. And then this one, they put in an extra defender, uh, Patterson, who came in. So they're playing a 5-3-2. Um, and it was a more sort of a, if you look at the player positions, they played more of a defensive uh, lineup, whereas in their past games, they do play defensive, but they also have more attacking looks where they're trying to get players forward, more forward. So Brenner will be that guy. He's always the point person who's that center forward who is always trying to get up the field. Um, but it seems like it's the it's the rest of the team that can sometimes pull him back. But having that support piece of Acosta behind him is really helpful. Uh, and he seems to have got a good relationship with Kubo uh, in that lineup too. So the way I'm seeing it, they've, of course, they've got a left back. They've got old Edgar, Edgar Castillo, who's, I believe he's got two goals for them. He, he scored a belter of a goal against Columbus. I think in it was like the first minute of the game too, right? Yeah. Against I Columbus. think it was like, yeah, like he just outside the 18, he just rifled it home. Uh, who, and he's actually been pretty good for them. He's had, he didn't play well against Cincinnati, uh, but he's had um, ratings in the higher sixes in the past few games. Uh, it seems like they've got a good, solid centre-back in Valencilla, who uh, I think is an Ecuadorian guy. He's been very good. He's been a consistent uh, fixture along with Vermeer um, and Medjugunin. Um So they've got... They've got a good spine. It seems like Guyan on the right has been playing every single game. Who's he's not been great. He's had a couple of games. Um, I guess it was against Toronto and Chicago where he was score getting a rating above seven. But the past uh, few games, he's kind of toned down a little Talk bit. About Joe Zhao, that guy. Yes, yeah. I th- yeah, I think so. I just pronounced it Guyan because I'm, uh, you know, just ignorant. Uh, but Boreal, he's been getting a good relationship alongside with Brenner. He's been a great guy. He's like the secondary goal scorer. You know, Brenner's got three goals. Boreal's got three. Um, what is interesting that I found out by looking through some of the stats is that Cincinnati tend to score goals right at the beginning. They have seven goals scored in the first 15 minutes of a game. Uh, but then they tend – and then they're, they're spaced out. Um, they've got three goals at the first 15 minutes of the second half, and then they just kind of trail off from there. Um, and then they they tend to concede 
pretty much through the gamut of the match, but it seems like the, um, in the last, the middle of the second half, they've had six conceded. Um, and then they've at the beginning of the game, they'll, they'll concede four, but it's, it, they've been pretty porous. So hopefully this might help Atlanta, but if, you know, when we've been scored on first, it's been very difficult for us to get back into the game from then. So, And it's a high likelihood that with Cincinnati being at home, they could get an early goal and we'll kind of just go from there. I'm not – Cincinnati have not been the best team, though with everything that's going on, it's really kind of difficult to predict what is going to happen in this Nonsense. game. Nonsense. <laughs> Um, I feel like they they start the um, roughly the same players that they've been going on with the past five games. So you've got from the top, you've got Atanga, Brenner, Boreal, and then in the, the middle three is Acosta, Kubo, Majunanin. They kind of seem to um, roam around where Acosta goes all over the place. Castillo at the left back, Valencia in the center backs, and it's either going to be, I think, either Hagland or Cameron. I'm not exactly sure why they haven't been as consistent. And then um, who did you say? Jao is yeah, the Jao, right yeah. back. Jao. So Jao will be a right back. He seemed to have solidified that. And then Vermeer in goal. Um, Man, I'm not exactly sure how we're going to line up. I'm assuming because Sosa's back. Um, we could go with a back three, a three, three, five, two. But I think as valentina wants to keep things the same we'll probably play with that that um four three three and have sosa drop back in between the two center backs so it'll be interesting to see what tweaks we see um going through this game i'm going to go with i don't know man i think it's going to be a one nil loss i'm not very i think it'll be like a silly error as well so okay i'll probably go with a two one loss I think we get in the it's I I have to believe we score against the second worst defense in MLS. Like you I just, would hope you, so. you just have to you have to see that happening. Um and did you have anything for Columbus or just Cincy? Just Cincinnati. Okay. I can only do one Ohio team at a time. Yeah, that's fair. Um just to go through real quick into the the score predictions in the trap, Carl Seggy, one one Wednesday. 2-1 Atlanta on Saturday at home against Columbus. You're a brave man. Uh, Carlos Rangel saying 3-0 new manager bump Kubo hat trick with all three assists coming from Joseph. I, I'm here for the madness and the chaos. I hope that happens. That would be, I, don't, I think Twitter would explode if that were to happen. Um, Elliot Beaven, 3-0 Atlanta, 3-2 Atlanta. Um, let's see, Haletto saying Joseph hat trick 4-2 against Cincinnati. Um, Kendrick Brock, 2-0 King Joseph with a brace, 1-1 draw against Columbus. Chiefs coach Steve, it's his birthday on Saturday. It's his birthday match. He's saying 4-1 Joseph Hattrick in Cincinnati. Conway. Oh, gets okay. Another. Oh, I didn't realize that. Throws everything out. So yeah, okay. <laughs> 4-1. Um, yeah, Conway gets the other um in the 4-1 against Cincy. He has 3-2 against Columbus. Scott McMillan, 2-1 Wednesday for Atlanta, I'm guessing, and then 2-2. Saturday, uh, Richard Gordon saying two, one, all both games, uh, this week. Um, <laughs> he meant to say ATL both games. I think it works though. All both of the games. It's, uh, Atlanta wins two, one. Um, Ooh, Alex Hoffner asking new name in the trap. Uh, thanks for the subscription. I saw the notification come through. He said, do we even make the playoffs this year? I think that's, 
Oh, I think that might be a little too much for this discussion, but I say yes. I say if we, we make can, the playoffs. If we make the playoffs, we are squeaking in there. I, I, I think this. I mean, we've still got a whole bunch of the season left, so the potential exists that we absolutely could. Yeah. I mean, Orlando's form has dropped in recent games. So, you know, form is always temporary, and maybe we can be the sleeping giant that kind of gets in there and then really kind of has a go at it. Yeah. Um, because if and if we do, that could galvanize the team in terms of like, oh, we're all coming together and getting, you know, building our relationships back up. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't know that I have anything else. Um, oh, Brian is asking if marjoram has arrived yet. No marjoram yet. No basil. No marjoram. We're still on. Uh, we're still on herb watch over here. So <laughs> it's. Uh, I guess we'll see. We'll see. It's uh, we're on her time. We're on her clock. So it's uh, yep. And you will be for the next twenty years. <laughs> oh, this is very true. I normally don't play us out here, but I would like to say thank you. We had a up to I think something like forty six people watching live. We almost broke that fifty person threshold watching live at one point, and we still have people in the we have in the twenties of live viewers right now, which is crazy. An hour and forty, almost forty minutes into the um into the broadcast we appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in every single week making us a part of your week whether it's watching on youtube make sure that you guys subscribe and join the fun as you guys saw we had a really um a really lively trap tonight it was fun to watch yeah. um the trap we had was new, awesome it was yeah, popping. We, we had the new manager bump in the trap let's keep it up let's see if we, <laughs> <laughs> we're let's, in the honeymoon period let's see if we can keep it up but make sure that you guys if uh if you guys are going to watch us on youtube hit the subscribe button we're on twitch as well at uh i think it's hb4d pod on there we had to choose a different name um and we broadcast on periscope too if you guys are on twitter if you guys are listening to us on itunes podcast what what have you the next day leave us a rating and or a review we'll read it aloud on the show dan thank you for um sticking with the entire broadcast uh, you're welcome tim i loved it it was a you hell of great. a time. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, we'll see when the next one is. If it's not me, then it's Dan and Kevin. And thanks, Kevin, for gracing us with your presence for 40 minutes. And everybody. God, I, hope, I hope he's I hope he's better next week if you're not here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if he can operate StreamYard. Um, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll, we'll get that started first. But thank you, guys. If you guys want to follow along with us on Twitter, we're pretty active and have fun trying to decide which one of the three of us it is tweeting follow us at home before dark that's b and the number four dan where can they follow you you can find me at dnjms or on peloton at to the power of dan yeah nobody has joined me on peloton <laughs> just want to put that out there <laughs> you can find me on instagram as coach steve says y'all buy stuff from tim's woodwork yeah t- at tim herb on instagram um you can that's a uh, good point because like your woodwork is legit. Uh, it it's really good. Like I'm not just saying that because you. you're my podcast pal, but it's actually legit good stuff. So I appreciate it. Yeah, people should actually do that. Got a few months, but if you guys locals, I think I mentioned this on the last show. Actually, I know I did because I'm pandering for people to come out. I just love to see you guys. We'll be out there at Candler Park, October second and third um, at the Fall Festival. I'll be. I'll have a booth. Follow the woodworks. Come, uh, come get yourself a cutting board or a, like a record stand holder or something like that. A chest yeah, board, you something did like that. Charcuterie boards that looked awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there's uh, stuff up in my Etsy store. But anyway, enough about me. 
Thank you, guys. Um, we'll see you next week. And as always, be home before dark. That's it. Nothing to, nothing to play us out, dude. <laughs> Skyline Chili is a farce. <laughs> He's the-